Welcome to Getting Loud on the Cloud, a podcast for companies who are hosting their largest, most complex workloads on the cloud. Hello there, and welcome to Getting Loud on the Cloud. I am Derek Swanson, Chief Technology Officer for Silk Technologies and host of this podcast. Our topics will range across different elements and aspects of the cloud, from the technical to the absurd, but always with a focus on helping you better understand the real capabilities and conversely, some real limitations of various public cloud offerings in a simple, easy to understand fashion. We'll do our best to avoid both the super high level salesy miracle medicine approach where the cloud is an infallible tech deity that gives all things to the worthy, the worthy of course being those who can pay. And we'll stay away from the super techie deep dive decode the matrix type stuff as well. Our goal is to explain simply how a blend of cloud technology can be effectively married to business outcomes that help you be better prepared to smartly approach and solve your business challenges with public cloud technologies. Let me introduce myself. I am Derek Swanson. I've been writing code, building solutions, and running dev and ops teams for over 25 years now. Originally, I started building Novell Networks in the 90s and then moved on to big iron storage and data platforms and server virtualization during the 2000s. For the last five years or so, I've been deeply involved with data platforms in the hybrid and public cloud space and work every day with customers who are almost universally trying to get out of the blinky light business, out of that data center, and into the cloud. And this is the overarching theme of my podcast. I'm talking about real-world examples of the challenges, limitations, and successes normal businesses experience right at that risky and busy intersection where traditional operations meet interact, and sometimes collide with the new cloud operational paradigms. I'll be keeping these podcasts fairly brief and on point topically, although sometimes I'll bring in expert guests to share their expansive experience on these subjects for a little longer discussion. Now, our topic today is about the cloud offering known as Platform as a Service, or PaaS. Platform as a Service Many of you will know the term PaaS already, so I will just briefly describe what it does and where it sits in the cloud hierarchy of offerings. PaaS is kind of in the middle layer of functionality, above simple infrastructure as a service, which is basically giving you a VM that you pick with an OS that you pick, all very manual and hands-on-like. PaaS is just above that offering in terms of who manages what. With PaaS, you get the infrastructure in the form of server storage and networking, but you also get some nice managed, already built-for-you elements included as well, such as a common framework for application development, software development and testing tools, database management systems, and other commonly supported functions and services that are all taken care of by the cloud provider. This means that you can spend your time actually developing applications and data schemas for your business instead of focusing on building your own development environments. The advantages of using a PaaS model are pretty clear. Faster, simpler application development, uniform additional cloud services that can be easily plugged in as needed, a common developer skill set to leverage, and a significantly reduced operator overhead for ongoing maintenance and updates. Rapid testing and deployment capabilities means shorter time to market, which translates into quicker real business wins. Dev teams can sandbox an app, test it in different environments, and fine-tune it much faster than most anyone could do with traditional or legacy means. Okay, so we've spoken a little bit about what PaaS is and some of the benefits. There is no question, certainly, that PaaS adoption has been significant, and for the most part, depending on the expectations originally set, 
it is providing a pretty good business benefit. What we want to look at now are some of the things you need to take into account when deciding on whether to use a PaaS solution. As I've seen that quite frequently, cloud vendors want to push clients into a PaaS offering without really considering whether it will be a great fit for them. Part of this is because the cloud folks know that once you get someone to rewrite their application completely to a specific cloud PaaS standard and start using it in production, it has a very high degree of what is referred to as stickiness. That is to say, it's probably not ever coming back out or moving somewhere else once it's running there. So it's very sticky. It's staying there for good, which is what the cloud vendors all want. They want workloads to go in and never come out. So a couple of things to consider first. One, when you are looking to move to PaaS, you are either writing a new application or you're moving an existing application. This is known as Greenfield or Brownfield. Greenfield is all new. Brownfield means you want to move something that is already running somewhere else. The process of moving a Brownfield application to PaaS means you need to rewrite it or what we call a refactor. You have to refactor the application to the new cloud platform. Refactoring applications opens up a whole big basket of risk because you need to now consider all the elements that must be replicated from the existing app. Features, functionality, performance requirements, the user experience, just to name a few. The time, cost, and risk to refactor important or mission-critical workloads can be too great for organizations to endure, regardless of the potential end benefits once the new environment is up and running. It is entirely possible, and, many, and in many cases quite likely, that the refactoring project runs over time, over budget, or does not deliver a user experience equal to or better than the original application. And now you have just spent years of time and significant amounts of capital in both cash and people for a not quite successful project, eh, maybe somewhat successful, but not what you were hoping for, right? It may even be deemed a failure, which nobody wants to be a part of. Refactoring is slow, costly, risky, and difficult to manage even for the very successful ones. Now, if you want to refactor less important workloads like simple applications or things that aren't in the critical path or line of business, then that's much easier to take on. So we aren't talking about what we consider the tier two or tier three types of applications. That is, things that people use occasionally, aren't very large or complex, or are providing services that don't necessarily need to be up and running 24-7. The caution here is around what we call mission-critical applications, the ones that must stay up and running all the time. Refactoring brownfield tier one applications is a very serious undertaking in the amount of time, cost, and organizational fortitude required to successfully plan, execute, and complete one is enormous. It's significant. So let's return for a moment now to the other option, Greenfield. So writing a new application from scratch is far simpler and less risky. Generally, when you are writing a new app, you can architect it to fit exactly into the PaaS parameters available for performance, capacity, and functionality without having to match those of an existing or current version. You can shape the app to fit the PaaS footprint, and you are building the app with tools that plug in additional services quite easily. There is no need to try and make the PaaS do things it can't do, but are required to do because your old app does them that way. You just do it the way the PaaS wants you to do do it, and all is well, because there is no previous app, right? Building from Greenfield is a huge benefit for developers and operators, no doubt. 
The concerns around greenfield paths are more on the financial and business side. So let's take a minute to examine these. First, the availability of so many pluggable services from the cloud paths provider are lovely and can grant some fantastic extra functionality and agility to the application. But each of those services comes with a cost. The more services you use, the greater volume you use, the higher that monthly bill dings. There's probably no cloud patron on earth who hasn't been surprised by a cloud bill that was way out of line from previous months. Upon examination, someone started using a new service, and once they saw they liked it, scaled utilization up. Of course, as usage scales, so does cost. And this is kind of a dirty secret in the cloud. Actually, it's kind of an open secret. The cloud isn't necessarily cheaper than on-prem. In fact, in many, if not most cases, it's more expensive. It's more expensive because there's all these nifty services you can leverage, almost ad infinitum, and each one has a price tag on it. So when you're building Greenfield, pay attention to all the little pieces and parts you're building into it, because while it might be cheap for your 10 user dev team or 100 users, when you scale that operation to tens of thousands of users, suddenly your costs may skyrocket unexpectedly. Here's another secret. Because the cloud is a shared nothing architecture with pay-as-you-go monthly metering, there are often not economies of scale to be leveraged. Because as you grow linearly, your usage and billing also may grow linearly. Managing cloud utilization and efficiency levels can be extremely difficult. Remember, if it's running, you are paying. And if you're transacting through a service, you are paying. The cloud vendors are really good at tracking your utilization for each and every service transaction by transaction and down to the second of uptime. So the first big caution is around cost controls when leveraging PaaS tools and services. The next thing to watch out for is a big one as well. This is around application and data portability, also more commonly known as vendor lock-in. When you write an application to a specific cloud PaaS API, application programming interface, and PaaS toolset, you lose the ability to pick that application up and move it to some other platform without going through another fairly lengthy and complex rewrite. To support a multi-cloud environment, this will require multiple versions of the application. That makes deployment, operations, and scaling much more complex. Also, because tool pricing is also different across cloud providers, multi-cloud usage of PaaS can also create significant variations in application cost profiles depending on where it's running, what cloud it's running in, what region, what zone, etc. These can all be different. Another element of risk in single vendor PaaS is the simple fact that you are now completely beholden to your cloud provider to stay up and running with your mission-critical application, and you hope that their best efforts will be sufficient. When it goes down, and I say when, not if, because your environment will go down, it's just a question of when and for how long. So when it goes down, you are completely helpless to do anything about it other than emote frantically at your customer success rep and perhaps your sales rep about the outage. There are countless examples of tier one outages across every cloud you can think of. Perhaps the most famous recent one being the December 10th outage on AWS, which was fairly catastrophic for the simple reason that even if you had exercised all due caution and care, and had built a fully redundant hot site that could be failed over to instantly in the case your primary zone or region went down, even for those most excellent BC slash DR people, 
the outage impacted AWS's single-headed DNS service in U.S. East 1 region, which made it impossible for you to redirect traffic somewhere else. So let me explain it this way. Because AWS DNS service Route 53 was essentially a single point of failure, when systems on U.S. East 1 region went down, customers could not log into the service to change the pointers to their applications, even if they were built and available to be running somewhere else. This unchangeable condition lasted for seven hours. So not only were you down in the region, but you couldn't point it anywhere else. You just had to eat the outage. So just be aware that if you write to a PaaS, along with those benefits, come the additional costs and the risks of putting all your eggs in a single basket. And when there is an outage or a total control plane failure, does that sound bad? Because that's what happened over there. You really have no control over fixing it. And you may not even be able to cut over somewhere else. That's a very costly event. Don't get me wrong. Writing to a PaaS isn't exactly a hashtag YOLO but you should be aware of the potential pitfalls and work to mitigate those risks beforehand with excellent planning. The last thing I want to mention today around risks and limitations of PaaS is how to size it right. Did you know that every PaaS offering has significant service and performance limits built into them that cannot be passed? And that those limits are really not very large when compared to the extremely high caps of traditional on-prem environments. Because PaaS is built to hold a lot of applications, cloud vendors are very careful to build a low common denominator with strict quality of service caps on all sorts of things, transaction sizes, capacity limits. There's all kinds of performance caps and service limits that ensure that no one person can become a noisy neighbor and take up all the performance available, starving out the other members of the service. I won't go through the endless lists of limits here, but you should definitely do so. I recommend that you do the following. For brownfield migrations and refactors of existing applications, you must go and get your average and peak workload profiles from your databases and applications that you're looking to move to a PaaS. Make sure you get lots of profile views from all sorts of different time periods, highs, lows, short runs, long runs, etc. Go back for a full year if you can to properly understand what kind of workload profile your application really has. Now, when we say workload profile, what that means is how much of each cloud resource does your database or application use? There are typically dozens of elements to a workload profile, and your database and infrastructure engineers will know how to decipher them and explain them. So map those requirements to what the PaaS solution can provide. Odds are, for Tier 1 mission-critical workloads, the current resource utilization you have today will peak far, far greater than what is available on a PaaS solution. I remind you that the cloud was built for the average and not for the peak, and PaaS solutions do not really deal with spiky workloads or big peaks in workloads. You know, it's that noisy neighbor problem again. It's possible that your average workloads may be even running close to the maximum of what the PaaS can provide. It's even possible your cloud sales rep will say, hey, it will fit just fine without taking into account growth or workload peaks or spiky periods of high performance requirements. So we need to understand that even when I do rewrite my application to a PaaS solution, the amount of workload that's being generated by the users does not magically go away. And in some cases, switching to cloud-native services from your existing vendor architecture may even increase resource requirements. Vendors, oftentimes, 
are pretty good at their own applications and have tuned them and tweaked them endlessly over the decades to squeeze as much efficiency and performance as possible out of them. Cloud vendors have, of course, not really been able to do this for every application out there. This is 10 times as true for the big traditional databases such as Oracle, Microsoft SQL, and big electronic medical record systems such as Epic or Cerner, like that. While technically it may be possible to map feature, function, schema, and UI from a traditional app to a PaaS, beyond the difficulty and risk of engaging in that activity, it may be completely impossible to get the required performance from the PaaS to power the response times that are required for the end users. Well-known examples of peak workloads would be like during Black Friday or Cyber Monday, perhaps during open enrollment, or doing it during a big sale event or a social or sporting event. There's lots and lots of peak workload times uh, these days. So let's say it's possible to build an app to deliver a transaction or a report on a PaaS. But the problem is that the transaction time or the report generation time takes far too long. You will hear, quote, it's too slow from everyone trying to use the system. And since in today's world, slow is the new down, you may well be out of business. Slow is not tolerated even as much as down, frankly, because when things are down, oftentimes people will say, oh, well, it's down, something bad must have happened, and they will tolerate some outage time. But if it's slow, people will say, this garbage app is slow and I'm using something else because now it's a quality issue, not an availability issue. The simple truth of customer-facing applications today is this. You can be down, but you can never be slow. PaaS solutions, since they are built for small footprints and cloud-native horizontally scaling applications, typically will struggle to provide the performance requirements of large mission-critical databases and applications such as Access, Oracle, and SQL databases. Take care to fully understand not only the feature, function, and costs of your PaaS solution, but whether or not it can fully support your peak workloads, which are typically the most important times for your business. Okay, that's it for this episode of Getting Loud on the Cloud. I'll be back again soon with more discussion around other various cloud topics. If you have something you'd like me to talk about, drop us a note at Silk and we will endeavor to tackle it. Either myself or someone smarter than me will join us and we will talk about your subject of interest. I'm Derek Swanson. Thanks for listening and we will talk again soon. Getting Loud on the Cloud is sponsored by Silk, the database supercharger on the cloud. Want to get the fast performance your databases need on the cloud? The Silk Cloud Platform can help. Learn more at silk.us. Thanks for listening.